Hi, welcome to The Bug Plug, a podcast about all things insects, arachnids, arthropods, creepies, and crawlies. I'm Kaylee, and today we're looking at some bug news. Okay, so first off, sorry there wasn't an episode last week. Here's what happened. I put off writing the episode because I had just a super busy week at work. Then Saturday night, a huge storm blew into my area, knocking my power out. I didn't have electricity until Tuesday afternoon when I was leaving town for work. So a lot of work, no power, out for work. I got back last night and here we are. And by last night, I do mean the night before this whole thing is being uploaded and everything. Uh, this week's episode was researched, written, recorded, and edited the same day it posts. So that's just fun for everyone. Uh, it's the last episode of a month, so that means we're learning about some bug news that came in out in the last few weeks. So let's just get right into it. The first Id- the no, the first article I want to talk about is titled "Human Factors Affect Bee Communication." Basically, human influences have the potential to reduce the effectiveness of communication in bees, adding further stress to struggling colonies, according to this new analysis. That's a bummer. And heads up, this whole episode is going to be kind of a major downer. I found so many negative news articles, and usually I try to focus on the positive ones, but this week I was already feeling kind of stressed, so I just sort of leaned into it. Sorry about that. So we're stressing bees out. Habitat conversion, uh, climate change, and the use use of pesticides are causing bees to adapt to large changes. We knew that, though. How bees are adapting to, you know, foraging and communication strategies to cope with these threats in, like, new and just basically new ways to deal with everything is what's a pressing area right now in bee behavioral and communication or conservation research. So essentially studies are now underway to figure out exactly how bees are dealing with their changing environments and how this may help us understand what we need to be doing best to help our favorite little pollinators. So not like a super information packed article, more of like a, hey, here's what research is headed towards type article. So next is an article called Saving Moths May Be Just As Important As Saving Bees. I thought this was a fun follow-up to the last one. Basically, this one states that nighttime pollinators, including moths, may visit as many plants as bees and should also be the focus of conservation and protection efforts. We've talked about moths being great pollinators in the past, so I'm glad that some emphasis is being placed on that. They found that in urban areas, moths are more fragile than bees, as the number of native plants are decreasing each year. Moths also have a hard time when there's less diversity in the types of plants in an area. And honestly, I just wanted to pull a direct quote from the study because I think it sums up their work very nicely. They say, and I quote, What we are able to do in this study is use DNA sequencing to identify the pollen that gets stuck to night-flying moths when they visit flowers. We found that moths are probably pollinating a range of plant species 
many of them wild, that are unlikely to be pollinated by bees and vice versa. It's clear from the study that pollination is achieved by complex networks of insects and plants and that these networks may be delicate and sensitive to urbanization. We can also learn which plant species may be the best sources of food for different insects, including nocturnal ones like adult moths, and use that information to provide for all of our pollinators. And, end quote. That's the end of it. So really they're looking at what can we do in our cities to help moths be more successful? Because the moths are actually helping us out quite a bit, a lot more than we had previously thought. The third article this month is titled, Climate Change Could Lead to Widespread Chaos for Insect Communities. I told you, it's kind of a bummer this week. New research explores how warming, how a warming world, sorry, can impact ecosystems and derail the development of new species. I thought this was interesting because we always look at the organisms that we love when it comes to climate change. Think like bees, pandas, and polar bears. But this was the first time I'd heard of climate change affecting the development of a completely new species. And it makes sense. As the world changes and time passes, new organism, organisms evolve and species change. With the world warming, this is having a major effect on that process. Basically, scientists are comparing the rate of evolution and emergence of new species to the rate recorded back in the 1800s, and so far it isn't looking great. Now, there are some people that feel like this isn't a fair comparison, as the 1800s were when we saw the emergence of a lot of technology for us, um, but it's the oldest, most complete comparison we have to work from. In an ideal world, we would compare the numbers that we're seeing today to numbers before human involvement, but there's absolutely no way for us to do that because we are relying on the research that humans did in the 1800s were a wealth of that research and knowledge. So finally, let's wrap this episode up with an article that made me laugh. This one's titled, Worms Use Electricity to Jump? So first I snorted because the thought of worms jumping just cracks me up. And then I immediately thought about how I spent four days without electricity. And that sort of sends you into this weird thought pattern of, I can't do that. It requires electricity. Or even, can I do that? Does that require electricity? Like showering. Can I take a shower? Is any part of that process related to electricity? Luckily for me, the answer was no. I have a gas-powered hot water tank. So I could shower very comfortably. It was dark, but I could shower very comfortably. So anyway, um, that's where I was when I read this. So the worms, you know, couldn't jump if I don't have electricity, right? Anyway, no, they're not talking about an external source of electricity. So let's just sort of get into what's going on here. Here's the summary of the article. It's wild. I'm quoting because you can't make this up. In nature, Smaller animals often attach themselves to larger ones to, quote, hitch a ride and save energy migrating large distances. Researchers show how microscopic C. elegans worms use electric fields to jump across petri plates or onto insects, allowing them to glide through the air and attach themselves, for example, onto naturally charged bumblebee chauffeurs, end quote. 
naturally charged bumblebee chauffeurs. That was a phrase I didn't think I would read or ever say. It made me laugh so hard when I read it. I'd like to pause here and talk about internal electricity. So humans have it. It's what sends our nerve signals to our brains. It's what attracts pollen to hummingbirds. And it's apparently how worms jump. These are all internal signals and charges that the nature of our bodies create. I want to go a little deeper into this article than the others just because I thought it was funny. But also, I think the science is super fun. So the researchers first began investigating this project when they noticed the worms they cultivated often ended up on the lids of the petri dishes opposite to the auger they were placed on. When the team attached a camera to observe this behavior, they found it was not just because the worms were climbing up the walls of the dish and heading, you know, crawling to the lids. Instead, they were leaping from the plate to the lids. Suspecting travel by electric field, the researchers placed worms on a glass electrode and found that they only leapt to another electrode once a charge was applied. Worms jump at an average speed of 0.86 meters per second, which is close to humans' walking speed, which cracks me up, and increased with electric field intensity. So the more intense the electric field, the faster and further they jumped. Next, the researchers rubbed flower pollen onto a bumblebee so it could exhibit a natural electric charge. Once close to these bees, the worms stood on their tails and then jumped aboard. Worms stand on their tails apparently to reduce the surface energy between their body and the substrate, making it easier for themselves to attach on other passing objects. So C. elegans are known to attach to bugs and snails for a ride, but because these animals don't carry electric fields well, they have to do direct contact. They have to make direct contact to do so. C. elegans are also known to jump onto winged insects, but it's not clear, or it wasn't clear, how worms were transversing such significant distance for their microscopic size. This research, of course, makes that connection that winged insects naturally accumulate charge as they fly, producing an electric field that C. elegans can travel along. It's unclear exactly how they perform this behavior. The worm's genetics might play a role. Researchers observed jumping in other worm species closely related to the C. elegans. They noted that mutants were unable to do this as well, basically. However, more work is needed to determine exactly what genes are involved in making these jumps and whether other microorganisms can use electricity to jump as well. Is that a particularly useful study? Not really, but it can help us understand the relationships organisms have and how they do what they do. But to be honest, I can't stop thinking about worms leaping it's such a funny mental image to think you're just like walking on the sidewalk and worms are just like jumping out of the air like the salmon do. <laughs> it's very funny to me. Alrighty, well that'll do it for this one. Next week's episode may be uploaded late like this one. I'm out of town again this week for work, so we'll just sort of see when I have time to research, write, record, and edit an episode. But I'm hoping I can get it done on Sunday again 
if not to upload in the morning like I'm used to, at least by the end of the day. So thank you so much for learning with me and being patient with me this week. And the last, as I just sort of dealt with life, it was a rough week. I'll see you next time here on the Bug Plug Podcast. Thank you.